What up, what up, what up? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, want to thank you for joining us for another edition of your new favorite podcast, the Charles Coleman Podcast. Before we get started, make sure you are liked, subscribe, and sharing whatever podcasts are heard. Now, as we proceed, I got to give a big shout out to my dream team members who are here on the couch with me. Shout out to my man to my left. You know me, loving Mr. Stalin's performance, the DJ for the 718 and beyond. DJ CEO is in the building on the lean. Oh, no, that's my thing. That's that is your thing. Your, your call guy. How you feeling, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm happy to be here. I'm feeling good. I feel like I'm looking good. I'm giving you autumn, black autumn. I like I like what you're doing. Like grown man, adult cash. Yeah. And to my right, understated but never underrated. Mr. Six Shooter himself, Cashmere Kirk Quillen is in the building, letting off rounds. How you feeling, bro? I'm well, man. You know. I had this conversation with you before. Mm-hmm. You know, how, like you get graduated, like in terms mm-hmm. of, um, like you in 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 my my world, it's called progressive discipline. Mm. Yeah, it was like, like you start off with a warning, and then you get a le- you get a write up, and you get suspended. You got one more time to put this out of my face, bro. <laughs> take take this. Oh, this? Yeah, t- yeah. Take that and put this out of my face, bro. This is your second time, bro. This is your second <laughs> Do you see the sound on the wall? Hey, man. Shout out to Tubi. <laughs> oh, you're getting that Tubi, bro. You're getting that Tubi check. man. Yo, listen. I mean, if that's what it is, let hey, me know how I get on. I'll do something in the background. I can play a newscaster on a Tubi show. Better work that out. Yeah, you know, like reporting live from the scene. You know, oh. Make a quick cameo. CEO, we got to. Hit me with it, you know. I'm in it. I could be like D nice and I'm gonna get you sucker. Just have the DJ thing. Yeah, I'm I'm good for a two B cameo. That's it though. Nah, I need you a whole role. A whole role throughout the movie. Throughout the movie, several different characters. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I be. It's a two B budget. It's a two B budget. I wanted to talk to y'all. Two of the most stylish brothers I know. A big part of the show is style. Mm -hmm. Um, A big part of the show is what it is that we do. My issue is we're all men over 40, right? Mm-hmm. We go places and we see dudes and their fits are horrible. And it's not just the fit. It's like the sense of style is just completely absent, right? So what I want to do, I want to waste a lot of time because we got an amazing conversation lined up. We're going to get there. Mm-hmm. But there are men who are secure enough to ask, yo, so where do you get your stuff or how do you put your stuff together or just that a third and then some guys like they not they 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 pull the they study you know they study your movements mm-hmm. and they don't you know they're not gonna ask you but they just see right there then all of a sudden you just and you know what at the end of the day imitation is the best form of flattery so look brother if it's gonna help you shine I'm not mad at you but today I want us to do some wardrobe 101 mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. how to get yourself right mm-hmm. at a certain age after a certain point because that's the key. We're not talking about this like at any point as a man. We're in that sort of age where a lot of men don't want to accept like the dad wardrobe, mm-hmm. you know, like where you just wearing like a Nike tech suit in every mm-hmm. color and the matching jacket and the matching uh, sneakers <laughs> with the with the Nike hat. Like you don't want to right. do that, right? Because mm-hmm. some of them think they style it, right? But I also don't need you out here looking like, you know. It's 03 and you go into a Nelly video. Like that. Right, right, right. So, so what are each of you's? We go back and forth. I want to come up with the three best rules for wardrobe. So give me your first one or two, and give me your first one or two, and then I'm gonna give you mine and we will come up with the best three. 
Um, we ain't shouting out no brands because no, no, we ain't no, getting no, no, no checks. No, no, so if no, you no. want us to shout your brand out, send us a check right. and we'll do that right. in terms of building a wardrobe. But, you know, just in general. Well, the first thing you have to do is go to LafayetteAndGrandClothing.com <laughs> and get yourself. As proceeds to do exactly what I right. said. Because that is my brand. That is my brand. But no, seriously, I think you have to identify, you You kind of really have to understand your style represents your personality. I think right. that's the number right. one. I don't think it's a good idea to copy other people. You can be influenced by other people, inspired by other people's mm-hmm. style that you see, but really kind of identify, like know, know what you look like. Your, your skin color, yeah, yeah, your body yeah, yeah, shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think that's the number first number one most important rule to style is like look at yourself in the mirror and go, this is what I look like. This is what's gonna get look good on me. Cause there's people who go out and shop based on trends, and this trend don't work with how you look. So that's that's my number one. Uh number two is you do kind of, I think it's very good to be diverse in how you dress, right? You should be able to pull off a suit and also a casual urban look and, you know, a summertime, maybe yacht look or barbecue look. Like, versatility is super important. You don't want to be the dude that shows up, like, in a velour suit to every event. I wear cardigans <laughs> all the time. And, and it, I know. Fight I, me. Well, I mean, it's part, it's, it's part of your so. brand now. So. <laughs> right. Uh, Kurt, what you got? Which camera is mine? Gentlemen. <laughs> Um, my, my two is kind of similar to yours, to be honest with you, all jokes aside. Um, for me, I, I learned very young that you have to be before you can become, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you know, like that. just understand that your, your expression, right? To me, dressing is an expression, mm-hmm. right? So we've kind of touched on a, a, a subject a few days ago about algorithms, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you show up and present yourself a certain kind of way, you can't get mad that you're received in the way that you look. Right. And a lot of people feel like, well, I don't look the way my look doesn't justify who I am. Then you need to switch your look. Right. Mm -hmm. You're getting Mm -hmm. it wrong. Right. So understand that first. And I think that the clothing will kind of fall in line with that. Now, when it comes to styles and things like that, in my mind and my experience on this planet has been there's two type of people that walk in the store. Right. You have some who have stuff at home and is looking for things that can go in addition to what they currently have. Mm -hmm. And then you have the other person who just wants everything on the mannequin. Right. Mm-hmm. So figure out who you are within both of those people are, are, are they're not bad people, they're good people, but it's just a mindset, right? So figure good people out people on all sides. Right. So both sides. <laughs> bigly. Bigly when you go bigly. to the store. Shop bigly, right? Yeah. So who in that though, figure out who you are, right? And if you are the mannequin type of shopper, then understand that your style will always be predicated on someone else's opinion. So I got mm-hmm. a couple cause y'all both said Good things, but if I'm at home and I'm listening and I ain't got no style, that doesn't help me. Okay. I mean, it helps me theoretically, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, so where do I go from here? Couple things. To your point, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a blend these to give my answer. To your point, CEO, know what works for you. Who do you look like in real life? Mm-hmm. Like, not like, mm-hmm. not like in your mind, but like, is there somebody <laughs> who remotely has a similar sort of aesthetic to who you are. Why do I ask? Because you can look, or you can probably Google images of them mm-hmm. and see where they look good, where they didn't, so on and so forth, and then get ideas like, oh, this person should never wear stripes, ever. 
Right. Or I should never. Maybe stripes ain't my. Maybe horizontal stripes aren't my thing. Or oh, I didn't like. I like. We have a similar skin complexion. Maybe I can wear this color, so on and so forth. Or maybe I should avoid this color. Mm -hmm. So that's number one, right? You should be looking to see with people who look like you, what are the images and the looks that work for them, so that you can get a sense, generally speaking, of what you might look good in and what you probably should avoid. Number two. If it's not something that you feel comfortable in, you're never gonna look good. Mm -hmm. So, regardless of what you see, if you feel very uncomfortable because you don't want to wear a pair of chap chaps with pants and your your butt out like Prince, mm -hmm. if that's not your thing. That's your thing. Don't put it on just because he looks sexy in it, and you happen to be a short guy. <laughs> don't mean that you're gonna look. Mm -hmm. You're gonna feel as confident as right. that man did when he wore what he wore. All jokes aside, that's what it is. I think that. Um, you start with some really basic looks. What do I mean basic looks? You can literally Google men's casual wear 2023. The other thing that I'll say is people talk about staples, but as a, as a you know, grown male adult, we don't talk enough about like staples in your casual wear. I think you need a good pair of dark jeans. Mm -hmm. I think you need a, a good pair of like brown shoes that are like cat that can be dressed up or dressed down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think you need a plus. You can never have to, my rule. My personal rules. You can never have too many white shirts Agreed. because whether it's suits or whether like you can wear a, you know, if you want, if you wanted to Tom Ford it, for example, you could wear a, a, a white shirt and jeans. If they're the right jeans and the right pair of shoes everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> not that you want to have that uniform, mm -hmm. not that you want that to be the thing, but what I'm saying is if you have staples like that, mm -hmm. you can make them work. And yeah. then, you know, you build from that. So before we get out of here, staples, like what are, what are your staples? So I say a good pair of jeans, medium, medium wash, mm -hmm. uh, medium to dark wash, because a lot of guys don't notice. Listen, fellas, if you're over 40, you got to limit the, the number of like light jeans you got. That's for that's advanced work, fellas. Like, well, I mean, light jeans over forty yeah. is advanced work. Mm -hmm. Don't do it if you don't. If you're not built like if that. If you're not built like that, like yeah. chill yeah. out. Just stick to mediums because you give you're telling on yourself. You look old and young at the same time, <laughs> right? Like you're telling on yourself right. with the light jeans <laughs> at that age. Don't do it if you're not nice like that. Mm -hmm. Other thing, again, when I say a good pair of jeans, I don't mean an expensive pair necessarily. I mean a pair that fits you, right? right. And what fits means something different at 40 than it did at 30. Mm -hmm. Fits means it actually fits. Right. Right, like, and, and it's like, oh, I don't feel comfortable. With that. Yo, you need to get comfortable <laughs> with clothes that are your actual actually size, fit. bro. So yeah, that's my staple. Like, a good medium wash pair of jeans, medium to dark, mm -hmm. some good brown shoes that you go up or down with, mm -hmm. and, a, and white shirt, you can always get by. You know what a, a staple and I don't think people would speak on this. I like a good jacket, not a not a blazer, but like a, like good a leather jacket, jacket or a the good leather jacket, yeah. like something yeah. short that yeah, has yeah, versatile. Yeah. So it could be a leather jacket, it could be a jean jacket, That's a good one, a bomber. You yeah, know, that I think that is a staple because you can in that situation dress it up, dress it I down. I love that. If you you know if it's early spring or autumn, you could throw a transition to yeah, or if if you're going somewhere and it's like a little more upscale, maybe you throw a turtleneck underneath it or. A nice crew neck, like yeah. a start, you know what I'm saying? So a bomber, like a, a good jacket, bomber jacket, jean jacket, leather jacket, I think that is a staple. That is a really good one. Yeah. And the other thing about that that brings me up, because I have a bunch of different 
bomber jackets, like a suede joint, leather joint, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. I, I'm I'm a moto guy. Like I like I don't, I don't ride motorcycles, but I love a motorcycle jacket, mm-hmm. right? Like I love a motorcycle jacket. Here's the other thing that I think all of us can appreciate. If you invest in good clothes, mm-hmm. like you know, you invest in quality. You you do your best to stay about the same size, and then you take care of your clothes. These staples will let you rock for a minute. Like a good jacket, if you invest in a good leather bomber or a good suede bomber, mm-hmm. you stay about the same size, right? Because these are classic pieces, mm-hmm. and you take care of it. That's the investment is gonna forever. You have it. Vintage so, shops are open for a reason. There you go. There you go. What are your staples? Um, Mine are a little different from you gentlemen because from a size perspective, right? So that's why it's yeah, important, though. Yeah. So you know, for us bigger gentlemen in the world, you know, um, you say I'm small. You're smaller than me, but you know, <laughs> we, we got a nice real estate here happening on this couch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, for me, is um, um, I would say you know, make sure your hygiene is up to par. You know, gentlemen, um, a nice scent always goes well mm. with these staple mm. looks that we were talking about as well too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and your accessories as well too. You know, get you a nice pair of glasses. You know, nice watch. Mixed like with the one good, that you wear. That's what we're gonna do. I mean, <laughs> that's know. what we're gonna do. <laughs> you know. We already had. Okay, all right, so we just you just want to get suspended today. Huh? I mean, you know, <laughs> y'all talk to HR about this shit. <laughs> no, I think a signature scent is good. Yep. I OD on the scents. I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. It's just my thing. I OD on them, but a signature scent. You can't go wrong with it. Mm-hmm. I love that as an anchor, the the bomber. So yeah. so listen, we're putting it together. For if you if here. you are out there, you are listening, and you are a man, or you are the woman of a man, and you don't really know how to get him started on his fashion journey. This is we just gave you major keys. We gave you the top to bottom. What did I say? I said a good pair of jeans that fit. I said a crisp white shirt. I said a pair of brown shoes that you can dress up or down. What did CEO say? CEO said. Yo, invest in a nice outerwear piece that's versatile, like a bomber, leather, suede, something that is a jacket that you can wear that's not long, but also that has a level of versatility to it. You add that. Then you said, Kurt said, like some accessories, pair of glasses, nice watch, and a good signature scent. If you focus on that, you've just built a man who you can take on a date night or you've built yourself to go on date night mm-hmm. to, to, to you know, maybe go to an after work function if you needed to, mm-hmm. something casual on the weekends, what have you, and you in the game. And from there, you build and you build. See, it really wasn't that hard. I know mm-hmm. I had the right people for it. That's why you come to the Charles Cohen Podcast to learn stuff that you wouldn't automatically know in the up your style game. That being said, we are going to up the game on this conversation that we're about to have. So stay right tuned because we'll be right back on the Charles Coleman Podcast, your new home for black brilliance. What up, what up, what up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to another edition of the Charles Coleman Podcast. This is our black brilliance conversations where we have discussions with movers and shakers in the culture, people who are making it happen. Y'all already know we've already had on MC Light. We've had on Bun B. Today, our guest needs no introduction I'm super excited about this conversation. Anyone who knows me knows from the beginning of this podcast, we in season two, from the beginning of this podcast, I said, if there's one person I said that I wanted to have on, it's our guest today. I said that from the beginning. I told everybody, watch, I'm going to get him on. Watch, I'm going to get him on. Here we are today. So glad to have us on a virtual couch you already know him. You already love him. Brooklyn's own King Asiatic. Nobody's equal. Big Daddy Kane is in the building. 
Super excited. What's going on, my brother? How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. Everything is wonderful. I appreciate you being here. Um, So let's get right into it, man. Hip Hop at 50. Everybody's been having these conversations. It's been a huge discussion. Obviously, you can't have a conversation about Hip Hop at 50 without having a discussion about Big Daddy King. And my question to you, just to open things up, is when as you look back, when you're doing your thing, 84, 86, you know, you with Biz, you with the Juice Crew, you're doing all of that. How does where hip hop is now compared to where you thought it might be some years ago when you really first, you know, got your got your feet wet and really started making moves? Um, I mean, what's happening right now in the game is a lot different than I anticipated. Um, as far as, you know, the sound of music and, um, where artists are, it's a completely different than I anticipated. But, um, as far as the impact level, it's exactly what I thought it would be. You know, yeah, I mean, Sonically, I, I've, I've, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I felt that, you know, hip hop would eventually end up being the strongest music genre just for the simple fact that um, it incorporates every other genre. And it was only a matter of time before all the other genres would need to incorporate hip hop in what they do. You know. Now, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you made a point sonically about the sound of hip hop. And one thing that I've already noticed about your career and that I've always noticed about you as an MC is that you've been able to adapt sonically to the way that music is made and creating and, and, and engaging different styles that fit the times. I think the best display of that for people who don't follow you closely, I think one of the best displays of that was the verses with KRS because you flipped a bunch of different contemporary styles in addition to doing things that you had already done. Um, how challenging is that for you? Or is it just kind of like at this point, it's so easy for you to do because of who you are that it doesn't make a difference? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's fun because, you know, I don't expect anything to stay the same. I know that, um, things are going to change, you know, um, music is going to change. Um, and, you know, just, you know, there's, there's young, there's younger artists that come out and some of them, you know, um, when I appreciate their style and technique, you know, I, you know, I'll sit and listen and be like, Oh, that's, that's unique. That's unique. So just, you know, keeping up with what's going on, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to me. So, you know, um, making whatever necessary adjustments, you know, cause I mean, I would never try to sound like, uh, a new artist of today. What I would do is say, okay, this is dope. How would Big Daddy Kane approach this? You know? mm. Mm. I get it. Um, yeah. One thing that I think is lacking, that's a conversation among like my peers when we listen to, to current hip hop, that I would love for you to talk a little bit about is the model's different. So back in the day, 
you you cut a demo, you was out in the neighborhood, you was rocking parties, you were shopping your demo, you got a deal, you cut a record, you had to go on shows, you had to work the record, but you also had to be an entertainer. And you had to actually have a dope show. You had to be able to rock a crowd mm-hmm. beyond. There was no YouTube. There was no filters. There was no angles. There was no video. And one thing about you from the gate, showmanship has been a huge part of I've seen I've seen you live at least eight or nine times. And showmanship has been a part of who you are literally since the 80s. And you've adapted. There's obviously the James Brown influence. There's obviously a number of different influences in terms of things that you've drawn from uh, to make your stage show what it is, to make your stage show appropriate, but to make your stage show entertaining. I mean, it's in my opinion, as linear a line from the Four Tops, the Temptations, James Brown, to like watching you do your thing in hip hop. Why do you think that artists today don't pay as much attention to that? And what what made you want to make that such an element of who you are as a performer? Well, with me, um, you know, growing up in the era I grew up in, I saw artists like um, Houdini, Run DMC, LL Cool J, who had amazing stage shows. When Biz first brought me out on the road, that was something that he was always perfecting. He was constantly trying to affect his stage show. So I understood the importance. And then, you know, a conversation that I had with Dougie Fresh when he was explaining to me what he was trying to do in hip hop that no one else has had ever had ever done yet. You know, so um I had all of those, you know, people to learn from. So it was something that was very important to me. Um today I think that um the great performers like um would the younger generation look at the artists that they like um, and see performing like, you know, um, the Kanye West and um, uh, so many, like several others, it's like they rely on effects. They rely on um, LED screens and um, smoke screens and uh, flames coming up out the, off the floor and stuff of that nature. Pyro, all of all that. Yeah, pyro stuff and all that. Yeah. Like, so that's really what they rely on. So therefore, that's what the younger, I think younger generation coming up in hip hop now gravitate to because that's what they see as a star performance from their, you know, from the people that they look up to. And um, they don't focus on like, you know, um, I guess, you know, movement and being um, able to um, move around the stage from left to right, front and back and the call of response and get engaged in the crowd into what you're doing and things of that nature. Um, and definitely not um, rhyming over instrumentals. You know, um, you know, I think most of them, they rhyme over their vocals or they either lip sync, you know. Um, so, I mean, I think those elements are kind of lost and not important to a younger generation because they haven't seen that as a dope stage show. What they've seen is you need to write crystal clear LED um, behind you and, you know, pyros on stage and stuff like that. That's, you know, their understanding. That's interesting um, because I think it's one of those things that for me and my peer group to fully engage an artist today, it's all right. Like, okay, so you got a good record. Your rhymes are kind of interesting. 
your beats is all right, but then I pay my money to see you live, your stage show is whack. And that's really disappointing because I can't become a fan if I can't go to your stage show and really engage the energy. So I think it's one of those things that there's an expectation from people who have been listening to hip hop and going to hip hop shows for 20, 25, 30 years that when we go to spaces now and we see that, it's it's kind of disappointing. I, I want to ask you, you gotta, another question. Go, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, but you got to understand, you see, you're talking about people that's been going into hip hop, to hip hop shows for 20 and 30 years. This younger generation been going to hip hop shows for two or three years. So it's like, this is all they know, you know? They're too young to have seen a, a Big Daddy Kane show, a Dougie Fresh show, a Run DMC show. So this is all they know. So it's 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 not whack to them. It's it's what they know, you know. It's it's yeah. it's, it's it's probably amazing to them, you know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. If you if you don't know any different, then it seems like this is what it is. Like that's yeah. that's it. That's the, um, I gotta ask you a question. This is like really more of a a thing that I've been wondering for a while. You have always commanded a certain level of respect among MCs. Like when I look at the 80s and the 90s and even the 2000s, I don't ever really recall a whole lot of MCs who really wanted it with you. Like they, I, I don't ever really recall a whole lot of MCs who really felt like they was really ready to step into the arena with you like that. Um, everybody, they were, they, hip hop as a competitive sport was always something where people went at it. You know, you had amazing battles in the eighties and I think people knew just in terms of reputation and things that you had done, not necessarily on wax, but in person and in different places that you were somebody who always was, was with the smoke if they wanted it. Did it ever, how, I'm just, I really gotta know, like, how did it feel that nobody ever really came at you like that because I feel like on one level, you're such a highly respected MC, but I also feel like in terms of really getting your mantelpiece in terms of like the Mount Rushmore of hip hop or the top five or whatever, whatever, sometimes you can be underappreciated. So like, how does that, how do you reconcile that? Um, well, you know, I mean, with me, I just, you know, do what I do for, for the fans, you know, for the people mm. that love and appreciate hip hop. And, um, when they come out and support the shows, you know, that's what matters to me. You know, seeing someone in the airport or on the street corner walk up and say, yo, your music got me through college. Your, 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 your music got me through Desert Storm or something of that nature. You know, that's, that's, that's all that matters to me. Um, you know, as far as, you know, anybody's rankings or anything like that, I just feel anybody's entitled to their opinion. I don't get upset when someone make me number 20 or number 50 or don't even include me on their list. I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. You like who you like. Um, you know, there was like a whole big stink about, um, uh, I think Billboard magazine where, where they placed me. And, you know, I'm sitting there trying to explain, like, if you came to Big Daddy Kane and said, yo, what's your, um, uh, top five favorite hip hop magazines? Man, I'd be going back to Rap Masters, word up, right on. I doubt I, I would even mention Billboard. But I mean, I doubt I would mention Billboard. 
And I don't right. think they would be offended. I don't think Billboard would be offended that I didn't mention them. So why should I be offended if they made me number 20 or whatever it was? You know, it's it's like that don't matter to me because that's not who I'm making music for. I'm not making music for Billboard magazine. I'm making music for my fans, you know, so as mm -hmm. long as they appreciate me, that's all that matter. And as far as like with the battle stuff, um, you know, I mean, cats knew they knew they knew what it was. Um, and, um, and there, there were situations where, you know, someone had, you know, said a little something slick here and there. And when I confront them about it, they're like, no, that's not what I meant. I didn't say that's not what I meant by it. So it wasn't even worth addressing, you know, if you're not mm. going to man up to it, then, you know, okay, cool. Just leave it alone. It's not even worth addressing. So uh, another thing that you and I talked about previously, um, when you came out, I say this jokingly, but it's very true on a lot of levels. When you came out and really hit your stride, not just with Juice Crew, but like we talking 88, you know, when Long Live the King comes out, all of that drops and you're really, really hitting your initial stride in your career. Dude, you put light skin out of business. Like you put Lightskin out of business, and Lightskin has not been back in business since. Um, and for me, I'm very appreciative of that because at the time it was it was hard goings until Big Daddy Kane stepped on the scene. All jokes aside, in the biggest, in the bigger sense, right? Like you, dude, you did photo shoots in a pool with Madonna. Like you, you, you was really out there. You. Blair Underwood, it was like a handful of Bobby Brown. It was a handful of brothers that really helped darker skinned men in our community have a different level of pride in who we were. Did you feel that at the time? Was it intentional? How did you sort of like navigate that? Because you just show up as you are. The color of your skin is the color of your skin. But once you realize that that was happening, how did you process that? Um, I mean, it, it was something different, you know, because I mean, I know that in high school, I was that dude that a lot of women was not attracted to because of the color of my skin, because of me having dark skin. So, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you start seeing women attracted to you, you know, the first thing come to mind is, okay, it's the success, you know, mm. you know, you got videos mm. out, you got music out, it's the success. That's all. But then you start hearing people say, um, you're a handsome, dark-skinned man. I love your chocolate skin, things of that nature. Then you realize that there's a little more to it. And then you're looking around, seeing how crazy people are going over for uh, Bobby Brown, for Wesley Snipes. And, you know, and it's like, oh, OK, OK, so it's our turn. All right. Well, let me speak on that, you know, and, you know. Um, and, 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 and encourage brothers to feel be beautiful, dark skinned brothers to feel beautiful, you know, and I, I, I thought that was something that was important, you know, to me once I had an understanding of what was going on, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, Count Macula, you ain't, you, you put light skin out of business and they ain't really, they ain't really been able to come back since, since you put, since you buried that one. Well, it, uh, it, that, that wasn't the goal though. That wasn't the goal though. The goal. Nah, was, nah, I get that. Yeah. Of course. You know what I'm saying? Uh, make, um, you know, um, uh, brothers of my skin tone feel confident in their skin, you know, not to try to uh, replace a lighter skin or nothing. <laughs> nothing nah, like that. nah, nah, nah. That you did. That you definitely, <laughs> that you definitely did. Um, 
one thing that makes hip hop interesting is because we're at 50, right? I feel like, and I've had this conversation with a couple of people. I've talked to, um, I, I talked to Bun B about it. I talked to MC Light about it. I talked to JD Kiss about it. Just a bunch of people. And I think that right now, fans more than anyone else, particularly older fans, don't know where to go or what to do because we look at what is currently going on in hip hop and we don't really recognize it. It's hard for us to process or digest it. And then we look at, you know, our the people who we are most attached to, the people we grew up listening to. And again, there's like a, a sense of like no country for old MCs. What I find interesting is that so many of the MCs that have built the bedrock of hip hop's golden era and have really pushed the culture forward are doing different things. You just got off tour with the stage adaptation of New Jack City. You're doing other things. A lot of your, your peers and contemporaries are doing other things outside of music. What do you say to, and, and I think that that's an interesting model just in terms of being able to grow and, and move on through your career. What do you say to those fans who don't sort of know where to go as we age through hip hop? Because hip hop hasn't even had a full life cycle yet. But yet a lot of us are still like, well, damn, I don't really listen to this new stuff. And, he's, and, and, and the rappers that I like, the MCs that I like, they're off doing new stuff now. What do you say to them, to those fans? I say that, you know, you got to stop being lazy and go back to what you was doing in your teenage years. Because um, back then when radio was playing Big Daddy Kane, um, Public Enemy, MC Light, you know, you had to dig to find artists like Chub Rock because radio mm. wasn't really playing it. You had to dig to find like um, songs like um, Small Time Hustler, bah, bah, da, 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 you know, like stuff like that. You know, you had to dig to find these here type of songs, you know, um, the Mighty Mike Masters, boom, boom, word, <clears throat> word. Like these were songs that didn't play on the radio, but they were um, uh, songs that you like hearing that you had on your cassette tapes that you had to dig for. And I mean, you that's what you have to do now. I mean, right now, um, there's new artists like um, Lady London, Conway the Machine. That, Conway's you know, a beast. Yeah. Conway's a beast. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, you know, um, I'm not really hearing Conway on the radio. I'm not hearing Lady London on the radio, but I found them and I'm bumping them. You know, I mean, because I went searching for them like, like, like what we used to do. Like, you know, you, you find out, you know, you go looking for some new stuff that's out, something that sound good. You have to do that. You know, I mean, there's people that's on um, my page constantly asking me about um, when you're going to put some new music out. I mean, like, like you know, they, they they were asking me that at the same time that I had a new song out with Morris Day. Not my song, Morris Day song, but, you know, I, I, I was on it. They asked me when you're going to put some new music out. And I, I had new music out with Buster and Conway the Machine. You know, we had a song out together earlier this year. Um, and people ask me, when are you going to put some new music out? It's out. Look for it. I mean, and that's what we have to do. I mean, that's what I do. I go searching for new. It's like if I don't want to hear, you know, the shit that's on radio, I go searching for something that I do want to hear and I go find it. One thing I appreciate about you is, you know, you will sometimes even spoon feed your followers because you will put on your IG records that 
people just have not heard in a while or may, may have never heard that are good records. I remember one time, and it was one thing that, like, it was you played um, TCF, The Chosen Few, mm-hmm. with uh, Red Hot Love Tone. It was like, yeah, I'm not the uh, one. I'm not the one. I'm not the one. Right. Like I remember that record, but a lot of people weren't up on it. So I was like, oh, okay. Not just that. I mean, there's a lot of records that you play that I've never heard, but I remember that one being like, I appreciate that because this is a this is a gem that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know if you wasn't really, really into it at the time. And that's spoon feeding people. So I appreciate what you mean when you say, you know, folks gotta stop being lazy. I got two questions before you before we get out of here, man. I, right. I have really appreciated this time. And they're, and they're both lighthearted questions. Um, so hip hop turning fifty, I get it, fantastic. Can you give me a favorite moment or a story of yours from the vast experiences you've had in hip hop that you haven't told before? Um, a story that I haven't told before. About a record that you did, a collab that you made, something that almost happened that didn't, so you know what I'm saying, anything. Um, I tell a story. Uh uh something I saw Bismarck Key do. It was like the funniest thing in the world to me. Um I didn't have a record out at the time. This is when I was just, you know, coming on stage with him to ride. And one night, you know, Biz had some girls in the limo. And we leaving um one of his shows, and this is um Sky Pager days. His beeper okay. goes off. His beeper goes off. He looks at it, and then looks at me and says, "Luther." And the girls are like, "Luther Vandros," and Biz is like. Yeah, he want me to beatbox for him um tomorrow night at the garden. But I mean, I told Mike I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna I'm gonna let him wear one of my Dookie ropes though. And they like for real, you know Luther like that. And I'm sitting there like I cannot believe these girls is going for this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there. I can't believe they listening to this bullshit right here, man. But they believed everything this was saying. That he that Luther wanted him to beatbox for him, but he couldn't do it, so he gonna let Luther wear one of his Dookie ropes. Yeah, and they believed it. That is hilarious! Oh my gosh, that is hilarious! <laughs> oh man, last question before we get out of here, man. Um, we I, I like to play this game with my friends called Hip Hop Karaoke. Life or death. And it, it started because um, everybody knows when I do when I do karaoke, this is a real thing. This is not like a game. I'm not saying this because you on the line. Everybody who knows me who's ever done karaoke with me, my song number one with, I, that I know that I'm going to do every time this karaoke is Ain't No Half Stepping. I'm not going to get that wrong. Everybody who knows me knows that I'm not going to get that wrong. Every single bar, I'm going to get right. So the game is if you had... <laughs> One of the, your closest, like, friends, a child, someone was being held hostage. And they said, yo, you got to get one verse from somebody else's rhymes. Right. Life or death, hip-hop, karaoke. You got to get one verse right from somebody else's rhymes. You don't got to do the verse. I'm just asking you, who would you choose and what verse would it be? Oh, Todd Billen. 
I mean, like one of the okay. easiest joints to remember. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you were just, keep it. Yeah. Keep it. Keep it simple. Top billing. Yeah. No billing. Giz is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy. It's funny, too, because a lot of people struggle with that because they be like, I, I don't want to mess it up. They know 90% of reverse, but top billing is relatively simple where you can yeah. get, you know, you, you yeah. can get through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, man, it has been such a pleasure. I appreciate your time, man. I am so thankful to have had a legend like you on the show. Um, do you got anything coming up that you want to let the people know about? Um, yeah, stay tuned for um, my documentary coming called Paragraphs I Manifest. Um, it's about lyricism and hip hop, and it features Common, Jay-Z, J. Cole, uh, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Melly Mel, Grandmaster Kaz, MC Light, mm. Lady London, um, uh, many others I, I can't think of offhand, but it's basically based on, you know, um, lyricism and hip hop and the importance of lyricism. And, you know, just hearing artists talk about some of their favorite songs that they've written. Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Big Daddy Kane, as part of our Black Brilliance branded conversations on the Charles Coleman podcast, want to thank him, want to give a shout out to Miss Gina Law for making it happen. And stay tuned for more on the Charles Cohen Podcast. We'll be right back after this. What up, what up, what up? Y'all know what time it is. Welcome back to everybody's favorite segment on the Charles Coleman Podcast. This is Rules of Engagement, our adult conversation on love, sex, and relationships. Got a good one this afternoon. Got my boys on the couch with me running the triangle offense. And we're going to get right into it. This is a relationships conversation. I saw this and I thought it was really, it was, I thought it was odd, right? But then at the same time, I'm not going to assume that it's that crazy. So there was a guy who was right. This is a relationship conversation, not a sexual love, maybe love, but relationships conversation. He was writing into an advice space because he's been married to his wife for like three years. And when they go to family functions, mm -hmm. like her family, he goes to his in-laws, they always take family photos, but they make a point to take certain family photos without him. Okay. Like the whole family, mm -hmm. but not like him. And he's the only like in-law there. Okay. And he's just kind of like, yo, well, I mean, what's up? I'm, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> am, I not in the, am I not in the family? Or, is that an issue? Should it be an issue? Should he feel a way about it? Like at what point are you, you know, at what point are you in the family? You marry, right? Like yeah, if you marry, you and the family, like your family. I mean, uh, in law dynamics can be very interesting. They can be. I think when you don't take, get in trouble, not on us. Oh no, anything I speak is, is 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 the truth. My wife is very much well aware of this, but I think <laughs> I think that when it comes to pictures, I think that is kind of a, a that's like a blatant slap in the face, right? Like he's been like the guy in the, in the post. I wish I could find it because I, I would read it. Hmm. He said he had been asked to step out of like photos. So he's not in none of the photos. He's in some, but like in the in the group joints. I mean, it it, it depends. Oh yeah yeah. Oh, and there was another part. Now I'm, I mean, I really wish I could read it. She he also said he learned that there was a family group chat, and he's not in. And it. He's not in. Oh, it. he's not family. He's married to her though. He's no. not family though. Again, in-laws is a very, very... Dead. My family group chats, she's, my wife is in all of them. Who, but who, oh, you say he's not in the family. Whose fault is that? 
Um, or you say fault? Yeah. I don't like, know. Like, is he, like, if he has an issue with his wife, in that instance, is he wrong for saying, like, Yo, you didn't you didn't bring me into your family, right? Like, you <laughs> nah, know? I don't I don't think. Well, from that perspective, I don't think there's a right or wrong in that. Um, but he has to accept it is for what it is. Like, they don't fuck with you like that. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, as long as your wife fuck with you, you so, good. But to, no, but to that <laughs> point, what context is he giving in that? Because like, it it does sound like yeah, like you said, they don't fuck with you, and <laughs> and it seems to be aloof to that. Like, there's certain situations like, I don't fuck with them, they don't fuck with me, it's whatever, mm -hmm. right? But it seems like he doesn't realize that they don't fuck with him. Now, he realizes it because I mean, he, he wrote a letter. He wrote, he wrote it to the advice guy. Yeah. He, he wanted advice. He just can't, he, he don't like what he realized. He, that's what's hard for him. <laughs> I mean, well, no, I think he also, I think he also is trying to figure out, I'm going like, to stop pulling up at this point. You asked me to get out the phone, <laughs> I'm not showing up at this point. It's over after that, like. Now you're playing yourself. You <laughs> right. Point. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to double down. I'm going to start showing up to all the events. Nah. Right. I'm going to show up more? Word. To nah. get disheartened? <laughs> exactly. So, but no, the thing is. It's tired of being the cameraman. <laughs> I want to be in the picture. Right? <laughs> don't you love me? Get him out of here. Like, even if they don't mess with him like that, right? Is it, can he, is it, is it fair for him to beef with the wife? Could he beef with the wife about that? That, I think that is a per marriage situation. Like, the truth is, matter when you get married, you are getting you're not just marrying this person. You're marrying, marrying their family. Their family. So um, you have you two have to have an understanding. Like there's somewhere that's like, you know, we don't, and it's cool, and it's like all right, and you manage that, you navigate that how you feel. But if she's just like leaving you out to dry, it might be time for you to go. Like if she's not trying to hold you down. So yes, I'm saying like, yeah. how much of in law beef do you put on your spouse? Yo, this conversation is crazy to me. Like, you married your spouse, yo. I understand that, bro. That's it. So he now nah, he said no, you married the family. No, and no, that's cool. That's that probably works for him. And, and for his, you, you say nah. No. I, I mess with my wife. But that's it doesn't. It. No, but that's to the it? To, but to the that's point, it. it doesn't mess. It has nothing. It doesn't impact. Like if you and your spouse are tight knit and y'all know what it is and y'all gonna hold each other down mm -hmm. through all these little whatever. That's different as opposed to. Her just leaving you out to dry. Like she ain't speaking up for you. She ain't like, yo, why y'all whatever. Cause But she knows. She is. She doesn't have to speak up. She yeah. knows. Is that, I don't gotta ask you why. The group chat that you're not, not in, I know I why. I know why. Cause she I knows. like cause you bought because you married Tyrone and we really like James. Right. But, no, but that's, that's not, really what happened. Exactly. But the group chat was one thing. But if you get out of your, your mom getting out of pocket, right? You don't have to say something. You ain't just like, oh, y'all just don't like each other, so I'm gonna let you talk. Oh, nah, nah, you like, gotta say something. No, it's a lot of dudes who be like, chill out, that's my mother. <laughs> like, like nah, uh -uh. I mean, come on, like now let's let's keep it within bounds, right? So the mother and father of our spouse, they to me, they're higher on the pecking Somebody order. Somebody told right? you wrong. So I'm not saying that you have to get along, but there, there's a certain level of respect that goes with that because you know, you know the war zone that you're getting in with that. This is somebody's parent. Like, regardless <laughs> as to how they their relationship may be, that title means something to, yeah. to an yeah, integral you, human being. You can right? come and go. Right. Period. Like, th this is forever here. I appreciate the fact that you promised forever, but this is, is forever. Yeah. Like, if I have beef <laughs> with the parents, it's like, that's something that me and my spouse will have to figure out and navigate. But if it's to the point where it's creating a huge problem between me and my wife, then... I can't rock with them. So when Mama Bear is doing something at the crib and it's we everybody's over though. there, yeah. I'm not pulling up. <clears throat> no, we agree not on that. Not out yeah. of a, a sign of disrespect, but they don't fuck with me. Oh, I agree with you, you 100% on that, yeah.
So there's so and, and and you don't put any of that on your spouse as being like the diplomat to be like, yo, you you know, you really need. I mean, because I now on one hand I understand you can't be responsible for another human being's mm-hmm. actions. Mm-hmm. So like if you've tried and they've legitimately tried and it just don't mix, it just don't mix, and that's what it is. But like, how much of that do you put on your spouse in terms of like them that relationship? Or whatever relationship it is with the in-laws not being, you know, great. Mm-hmm. Well, again, for me, like, when I hear in-laws, to me, that's parental level. Like, cousins and siblings and all yeah. that, like, they they like friends to me. Like They don't even count. I mean, they count because being respectful, right? They're your family. <laughs> but, on the, like I said, the pecking order, if, if me and your brother can't get along, I'm sorry. But your brother's like any other dude in the planet. Like, oh, wow. Mm. Long as it doesn't get disrespectful, you know what I'm saying? We good. Like so you so you feel like the only one you gotta really like bow bow out to is the parents. Well, yeah, or or like, you know, like the higher ups. Yeah. Grandparents, things like But are you saying in a sense like you not meaning like you just not gonna get in get into it with them? Is that what you're saying? Well, for me, what I'm saying is there there is no level that I, I can even be interacting with them on to to create a, a, a real beef outside of them saying that baby girl picked the wrong guy. Like they like this other dude more than they like me and I'm kind of like the runner-upper in the situation. I can't fight that battle. There's nothing I can do. So uh, go, let's go back to the group chat. You find out Miss DJ CEO has a family group chat and you ain't in it. I, no, I, I already know there's one and I'm not in it. And I'm, I don't want to be in it. You all right with it? I don't want to be in it. I, what, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I don't want to be triggering one of us. God damn it! <laughs> so you just no. Nah, I'm cool. Like again, and that's what I'm saying. Like every there's so it's so many nuances and so many it's so much nuance and so many different things. Like he created a situation where he uh, scenario where he was like, oh, they wanted another dude and it's whatever. But some in laws are just assholes, right? And they ain't got Not nothing to do that with that. Not saying that about yours. Some in laws are just assholes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And because it's doubling down out here, and, and it's just, but you don't. But at the end of the day, like you said, I'm married to my spouse, right? Mm-hmm. So as long as I know that my spouse got my back, because the Bible says you, you, you marry, you leave, cleave, leave, leave. So like at the end, as long as we together, we'll figure out a way to navigate that. If they can't support a decision she made for herself by not fucking with you, in essence, to me, in direct proportion, that means they don't fuck with her like that. Man, there is so many levels to this shit because you can not fuck with somebody but still have respect and decorum when you're with them. The mm-hmm. issue comes when there's no respect being shown. Like asking somebody to get out the picture. I got out the picture, right? That's different. You can not fuck with me. You can that's, take a picture. That's pic- too far? Yeah, yeah. Like because it's- But you got the invitation to the crib though. Don't matter. It don't matter. Like it's almost like you may not crib even got, got the invitation. She might have got the invitation That's and she true. just pulled you up and she didn't. That's so true. then that means, but again, she would have known that. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Somebody's yeah. in somebody's in the light and there's always somebody in the dark. The person uh-huh. in the light is the is the is the conductor of how we're supposed to move, right? right? So if you know your family don't fuck with me based on the, the private group chat, the fact that I ain't in no picture nowhere. And, and I don't get to go in the living room unless I'm accompanied by somebody else. They don't rock with you, son. Right. So, but she knows that. Now, if she says, all right, I'm going to bring you into this hostile situation right. on purpose because I like how grandma snap on you at the table, then you're the mark. Oh, well, that's different. That's, that's, different. that's way different. I mean, I think, I think, I think the, the sort of like thing is, and I don't know if you sort of touched on it, Kurt. If you're aware that your partner and your 
in-laws, if you will, or your folks don't really rock with your partner. Mm -hmm. It's unfair for you to keep trying to put them in that situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yo, why you don't come to me to the family joint? Because your family doesn't like me. You know why. You know why. Don't force them. Mm. You can't. I, I don't know if you can make your partner responsible for the fact that like. Yeah, you can't. You can't make them responsible. Yeah, but then you. But then they can't force you to like still come around at all the joints when they know they're not rocking with there's, you. There's no general answer to this because again, from a, <laughs> there's so many nuances he to this. Teetering. Yeah. Just let it because out. you know why? Because this is a safe. Place. Because sometimes this is a safe you, place. This is a safe place, bro. The, the whole world is gonna see this as a safe place. <laughs> There's a, there's a um sometimes you not showing it up make it hot for them. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes you got to just show up just nah, to take that, it on the chin. No, nah, but that's on them though. No, nah, I, I get it. Sometimes you got to show up just If you don't show chin. up, it makes it hot for them, but that's yeah. on them though. That's that they got they got they got to understand that. Because if because here's the thing, right? Like at that point you got to make a choice. Like, are you going to st- stick up for, you know, not your, I don't want to say stick up for your relationship, but is that going to be something that, you know, is more important to you? Or are you just going to get through the afternoon or the evening with your family talking trash while the soca music playing? Yeah. <laughs> That's just really that what it is. That, that was mad specific. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can mix at the party, but you can't get in this damn photo. I'll tell you that. Uh, yo, that would be crazy. If they was like, yeah, he could, yeah, he could, he could, he could spend some records. He could spend some records, yeah. put his little playlist on, but nah, you good. These photos, nah, you dead on yeah. that. It, it is very interesting. Or is it now? If if that was your experience, right? Because we gotta, we gotta kind of let this pendulum swing the other way. Okay, we, okay. To, we can't just attack our in laws, right? <laughs> so now you've experienced that, right? Mm-hmm. Three years in, Duke said, right? No, you, you know, you know, dice. You can't get in these photos. Boom, boom, right? This year, Thanksgiving. Big mama say, baby, come on, get in this photo. Does that mean you crack the ice and you now down? Or is this a pump fake because of all the little Oof. back and forth? Was Big chat? Mama keeping you out the photos before? Or was it mom keeping you out the photos? Oh, we're gonna get specific. All right, mom. Because Big Mom, because Big Mama is she's usually the nicest, you know. Yeah. All right, so it's mom. Mom and and and, and the zesty auntie. And now they want yeah, you Yeah, the, the sassy auntie. Yeah. This is the, you got everybody got that sassy auntie mm-hmm. who's like, you just getting the photo, but don't smile. Oh, so you Ooh, play that game. Play that game. I'm good at that. Oh, so everybody's smiling. You sitting there looking crazy. Not you. Don't got to scowl. You just this is some bullshit, or they finally love me. It doesn't matter because Ooh. you don't think because you, you look. I you know I'm not gonna lie. I would have, I would be challenged by that. Like three years, four years, whatever. <laughs> I've been around. Been around. And you don't kick me out before a nap. Now. now I'm, because Ooh, you, that's a hard one. But, I don't know. I don't know. I don't you, know if I'm just hopping in that but joint. You know, but you know what it is. You know they don't really fool with you. Nah, but probably a right. So which is why I might be like, oh, I got to use the bathroom or or, or. we'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, I, I'm, I'm doing my best to get out that photo. I'm just saying, nah, I'm yeah, good. Nah, I'm, like, like I don't want to be like nah. Like you don't want to <laughs> actually reject it. But I would almost feel like the biggest sucker being like. But no, but I'm saying you don't do that. Like you just get stand in the back somewhere and just take the picture. Nah, They're not I checking gotta, for you anyway. Nah, I gotta go put some gas in the car. We gotta yeah, in the car. real way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that being said, let us know what you think. That's gonna do it for us. We are almost out of here. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Hope you enjoyed the great interview that we had. And until next week, make sure you are liking, subscribing, and sharing your favorite podcast. 
This has been DJ CEO. He is Cashman Kirk Quillen, and I'm Charles Coleman. We'll see you next week on the Charles Coleman Podcast. Peace.